So a huge welcome to the second Tour Degree Cycling Show. Delighted to say that we've got somebody who I would describe as a real trailblazer uh, in the sport is, of course, uh, Sherry Pridham. Uh, welcome, Sherry. Thanks so much for uh, for joining us. I know you've you've got a busy schedule uh, at this time. You know the the World Tour and the uh, the, the European race calendar has, has properly kicked off. But uh, we'll start by asking how how are you finding the uh, the new role? How are you finding working at Israel Startup Nation? The first uh, first year as a, a World Tour team for that particular team. I guess uh, I guess it's wide eyed and full gas, as they say in. Uh, uh in in europe i guess <laughs> yeah and just we'll talk about you kind of um we'll, we'll talk about the new team first then we'll kind of work backwards from there and um, how have you found settling in with israel startup nation it feels like a really aggressive team i mean they, they've come a long way quite a rapid rise from the israel uh, cycling academy and of course some big signings this summer of course but how have you found the how have you settled in with the new team I think right from the word go, I mean, from the first conversation I had with uh, the general manager, Chell Colstrom, it was um, it wasn't it wasn't like an interview. You know, it was it, it was like a general chat, really. And he was um, he was really super keen to see what um, what not what I'd done in the past, but more what you know, what we could do together and how we could sort of uh, uh, or what I could bring on board to the team. Um and from that initial conversation, um, I've, I've felt sort of part of the team, I have to say, right, you know, right from the get go. Uh, and then when we met for the first time in December, um, the DS campus, as we like to call it, um, I was welcomed and felt part of the uh, part of the family straight away. I mentioned in the intro, you're a bit of a trailblazer. I'm not sure kind of how much you see yourself as a trailblazer. I mean, you know, the facts are fairly undisputable. But in terms of kind of, you know, being that first female DS in, in the World Tour era, first full-time DS um, in, in the top level of sport, do you feel that pressure or, or is it something, you know, you've been in the, you're in the comedy teams and you're very successful managing British comedy teams for so long? Is it something that you you can kind of just shrug off almost? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I've never given, for, for starters, I've never given it a thought that I'm actually the first, I've been the first female. I've, I've, I've been in that position even without thinking about it. Uh, when I started racing, for instance, as a youngster, I was, I was racing with a junior uh, with the junior boys and then obviously as my career evolved and went into management I obviously went straight into working with junior riders with a junior development squad and then on to bigger and better things with team rally and then obviously that the latter years with with Vitas Pro Cycling and, and that's been 10 11 years at Conti level working with men's teams so I don't really know anything else but to uh, you know to work with um, with men's teams and as far as the pressure is concerned, um, the, the, the challenges, the expectations, um, the pressures, if you like, uh, are equally the same as, as at Conti le level. Um, the one thing I have to say is as, as a DS uh, at Wiltor level, you can focus 100% on being a DS rather than as a team owner, for instance, where you are sort of a, a 360 uh, sort of contracts sponsorships you know um all the corporate meetings uh car wrapping kit designs rider issues kit issues ordering kit you know na you you name it but at will tour level we can just focus on you know what we what we are 
uh, contracted to do. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that difference because I, I, we were just talking before we came on. I remember kind of I first um, met you, if you will, and and you helped organise an interview for me at the Tour of Yorkshire. I mean, you were in the camper van, you know, you had the kind of the full team in the camper van and, and things like that. I guess things are, you know, the, the team buses are probably three, four, five, six times the size of that camper van. But do you have, have you changed your management style? Have you, you know, has it kind of led you to be able to develop a, a different style? I appreciate it was so early in the season. You know, are yeah. you, is there certain things you're looking forward to being able to kind of really get stuck into now, perhaps that you weren't able to when you were team owner, as you say, at Vitus, as well as, you know, DSing, driving, sorting out kits yeah. and everything else? Is there something that you're really looking forward to, to getting properly stuck into? Um, I think if you go back to the to the Conti management and the, and the, um, the team ownership side of things, obviously that was almost 24-7. This also feels 24-7, but that's only because the race program is, you know, three times more than, you know, we had at Conti level. So, um, and in terms of uh, campus size and, and, and so on, uh, at Conti level, I, 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 my opinion is, you know, we had one of the, the best setups um, and the other teams evolved to follow that in, in, in the way that we built it up. And, you know, I think it, two years ago, 2019, we can't talk about 2020, but 2019, I think most teams had campers and trucks and, you know, the whole thing progressed. So um, I feel a little bit a, a part of that and, and how we developed the Conti scene here in, at, in domestic level. But it's exactly the same, same issue, same same stresses, I guess, at Wilt or just on a mahoose of scale. <laughs> And you're going to be working with some incredible riders this year. I, I, you know, Chris Froome is obviously you, you're the one everybody talks about. But you, you've made some really, really shrewd signings in 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 the off season. Um, what are the hopes for this season? I, I guess kind of you know that constant progression must be one. But what are the kind of realistic hopes when you you sit down at the start of the season, you draw out that that map of how the season might pan out. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously, it's uh, it's not my job to actually sign riders, but you know, we we get given a group to to work with. And uh, when I came on board, those signings had just been done, so we'd started working, um, you know, with the GC groups, the sprinter, the sprinter groups, the TT groups, um, the classics groups, and and to see how those teams sort of mix and then cross over maybe to stage race groups and so on but one thing i have to say is that you know that there are we have 10 sports directors on on um on the team uh, and we are headed by um rig verbrugger who is he's our head ds and uh he's 100 behind each each one of us and and i think right from the start we were we were sort of given the instruction that uh it's almost a year one uh, because you've got to remember the team came from Conti level not so long ago to pro Conti and then last year with COVID um, had some fantastic results with Alex Dowsett's uh, stage win at the Giro, Dan Martin's um, fourth at, you know, at the Volta and so on. So the teams really evolved super quick and um, I think the leadership is and comes from directly from the top, if you like, from the team owners and that's passed down to to Charles and then to Rick and then on to us. But I think when we looked at the programme, we looked at the signings, except for Mark, Dan Martin, obviously Dan was there, but how Dan fits in there, Mike Woods, um, 
Paddy Bevan and 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 those kind of guys. Um, I think we looked at the program and and realistically thought that we could be challenging at each at each race. And so far, Touchwood, you know, we've we've been there or thereabouts, and we've already had a win with Mike Mike Woods, and we've had a a pretty good start to the opening um, weekend in Belgium with uh, you know with Seth Poding for third, and then a very close sprint again at uh, Samen um, on Sunday. So uh, it's gone really well. Yeah. I was going to ask you about um, Mike Woods' win at um, uh, earlier in the season. Is it kind of a, is it a bit of an albatross off your back to get that, that first win? I mean, it's, uh, you know, I said on social media, I don't think there's a much better sight than, than, than Mike Woods on a, on an uphill finish. I mean, it's, it's brilliant to watch. Do you, do you think it's, is it a bit of a kind of a relief that, that, that first victory is, is kind of, you know, done and dusted in the bag. You you probably have to wait a, couple, a few weeks for other teams to get that first victory on the board, especially given yeah. what perhaps some of that team, you know, the remnants of that team kind of leading over from kind of Katusha and things. You know, it's yeah. not always been the most successful group, at, at, you know, in previous years, I guess. Yeah, no, I think uh, I have to give credit to the coaches and, and the performance team there. You know, that's all... what with the work that we do at the tra- the big training camp in January and the guys are sort of targeting um, certain races in the season and obviously as the season goes some more some more rest some more focus on the tour and so on um, but it was always uh, you know Mike was going very well at training camp uh, and so we knew he was in good shape um, and one of those races was Havar you know that he was targeting and and uh, you know, very wet, nearly pulled it off, just mess, missed uh, GC by five seconds, you know. Um, and I, uh, maybe that was down to a mechanical, but at the end of the day, it was a super team performance. Um, and uh, I think it's, you know, I think we'll we'll only get better. Yeah. Just going back to your kind of time as a, a racer yourself, I know you, you rode the, 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 the Women's Tour de France on, on a number of occasions. Um do you, do you what do you take from your own racing career? Because you know I'm, it's just cycling. It doesn't matter whether it's the, the the men's race or the the women's race. What do you what have you taken from your your kind of racing career that's kind of you know helped you be as successful as you were with Rally with Vitus Pro Cycling and now you know hopefully this season and beyond with with Israel. Yeah, I think I've always been fairly organised, and that's sort of reflected on the way I trained as a as a cyclist and. Uh, you know, I was I was very disciplined, um, very very determined to achieve the goals that I wanted to, um, yeah, and 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 focused, I guess. And I carried a lot of um, that mentality across into into managing teams. You know, I was I, I've always believed that you know that's if you're organised when you're training and everything's in it in its little box, then. Um, you should get results, you know, the confidence is there and the results are there. And likewise, that crosses over in the corporate world and then and finally into, into management. Yeah. And how did you find 2020? Because, you know, I think I read somewhere the last time where we had a, a national air race in this country, in, in Britain, for the Comte teams to kind of compete at the highest level domestically was kind of 530 odd days ago. I think it was the, the other day, a few days yeah. ago. How did you find 2020? Obviously, you had, you know, it was tough for all domestic teams. And, you know, yeah, I was yeah. reading in Pro Cycling, the interview you did there about kind of the really difficult kind of towards the end of that campaign, you know, there were question marks over sponsors and things like that. 
just just give us a bit of a flavour for how you as a team boss, but also as a you know team manager and you know having responsibility for riders, found 2020 and the, the, the pandemic, the year that never was really. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I have to say uh, the group the group that we had um, last year were all on the same page. Um, we had a we had a fairly decent start to the season. We'd already done three uh, UCI races by, and I think Lissamen was our our last race as as a for my last race with a team at Conti level, and obviously I've done it this year at, at World Tour level. Um, but we saw, we still sort of believe, but of course, we came back from Semen and obviously middle of March and everything was shutting down faster than we could, you know, then we could sort of blink. And, and then the tour of Normandy was cancelled and that was one big focus. And then and then the National Series events were, were sort of dwindling away fast and furious. And, and then it was what you had to think out the box really, you know, really fast. And how can we motivate the riders? How can we work as a group? Um and I have to have, give credit to the lads. You know, we um, we came up with some wonderful ideas for social media. Um, Tom Mazzoni was pretty good with his own, uh, you know, with his own YouTube channels, and we just kept yeah. things rolling. And we became a bit innovative on, on on Zwift. We had groups group rides on Zwift, which were which were great. But when you've done that for two and three months on the bounce, you know, you you start to get fatigued yourself. You know, yeah. and uh, and I felt that with the lads as well. It was a struggle to keep them focused, keep them motivated. And then, of course, when the tour of Britain was cancelled, that was everybody's last sort of hope, you know, that we were going to get any sort of racing. Um, and then with that comes the other side of things, and that's the keeping, you know, looking after the sponsors and, and partners yeah. and so on. And uh, that became extremely difficult. Um, and, uh, you know, you know the rest of the story. Yeah. Were you, I, I mean, I, I was reading as well, kind of, you know, you were at the point where, you know, the, the team wasn't going to continue this season and, and and you were starting to apply for jobs. And am I right in thinking that the the, the kind of the, an email was kind of out of the blue to Israel Startup Nation, you were, you were kind of testing the water, um, you know, with World Tour teams. Um, did yeah. you expect, you know, what, what kind of level of, of response did you get to those inquiries? Was it just this real start of nature to get kind of positive well, back to other people? Yeah, no, I, I won't say it was out of the blue or, it, I mean, I, I really thought about it and, it and it was something that sort of I've always dreamed of being at World Tour. I had, when I was younger, obviously in the early 2013s, 2014s, I believed I could get my own team to World Tour. Mm. I soon realised that wasn't going to happen and continue to work at at the level that we were and I think we were relatively we can say we were relatively successful one of the top Conti teams for for a very long time um and it's only till we closed the door I could look back and actually see you know some of the achievements we've we've had together from 2010 through to you know 2020 if you like um some great memories lots of stress lots of fun of course but um yeah I you know it just sort of it was one of those days when I thought, well, what have I got to lose? Yeah. But it was something that I, I wasn't apprehensive about sending it. I've got nothing to lose. And I had I had a handful of teams that I wanted to work with and wished to work with. So I reached out to those guys first, um, you know, and uh, Israel Startup Nation, among a couple of others, also, you know, got back to me and, 
I felt at home already with, you know, speaking with with Chell Colstrom uh, right from from the word go. Um, it was a little bit nervy, of course, when they carried on racing and they got the Tour de France and and the Giro and the Volta, and of course you don't hear anything for nearly three months. But um, uh, we we kept in contact, and then when we finally decided, um, when we looked at everything, and um, you know, I had to start looking after my own interests, if you like, the, you yeah. know, to mortgage to pay and all that, you know, real life scenarios and dogs to feed and whatever else. And that's uh, and that's kind of why I, I thought I needed to, you know, go out there and get a job. But I still believed before I got the contract after that with with ISN, I still believed I could take the team through it um, at Conti, uh, not at Conti level, but at elite level. Yeah. Uh, and I made sure, you know, we kept the lads and the, and the staff informed of, of every step. Um, and then it just sort of one thing after another. And then I can remember we had we had a board meeting and, you know, to look at what our options were, you know, for taking the team into 2021. And it was one of those moments when I thought, am I going to be happy driving, I don't know, to Newcastle three, four hours, probably not getting the results I desire and the lads desire because, of yeah. course, we've pulled back on the budget and everything else, maybe coming back with a top 20. And I don't think I was strong enough or motivated enough to, to see that through. And yeah. I was quite honest with the lads, you know, uh, if I'm not happy, they're not going to be happy because it reflects, you know, my face reflects on them. And, yeah. and yeah. a happy team is a happy team at the end. Of, and that was one of the driving kind of decisions you know is first and foremost my happiness but also was I going to be able to deliver a presentation and um, a performance that uh, my my partners and sponsors deserved and I don't think I could deliver that um, to, and in particular the the way I set the team up at, in the in the camps if you like you know when we arrive at a race camper truck you know everything's laid out staff are well drilled and everything uh, and so that was the other thing I I, don't, I didn't think I could deliver. Um, and then finally, it was, you know, it was just um, surviving. And because we, we, we'd struggled to maintain till the end of the year, it was just a matter of surviving till the end of the year, making sure the lads were okay and the staff was okay. And that was of utmost importance to me probably before thinking about myself. But while all this was uh, going on, we'd had this board meeting, um, came home, sat down with with Eddie, and uh, I said, it's over. Um, I'm going to shut the doors. And it was a pretty emotional time because yeah. letting go of something we worked for over 15 years, literally, um, making that decision was, was hard, probably the, one of the hardest decisions I've had. And I think just jumping on a few months, I actually closed the doors on the service course about five, six weeks ago. And of course we were in lockdown and I'd had to close the doors on my own to an empty service course that had so much life and character. And that was probably the second hardest day is locking the key and handing the key back, you know. Uh, but of course I was already at ISN. Um, but going back to that night we'd sat down explained to you know explained to eddie and the family what i what decisions we'd made and uh i think it's about six o'clock in the evening and then we were sat with a bottle of wine or two and three or whatever and uh 
I got an email at nine o'clock, half nine, ten o'clock, something like that, from from ISN offering me a contract. And and there's no way they could have known that that was my decision to close the door that day. And and that's the way it kind of it, it happened. You know, I sort of one door closed and a sounds a bit cliche, but another one opened, and, and that's how it what happened. Yeah, I guess it felt a bit like fate, really. I guess, you know, that was the, when I was reading about that, I kind of thought, you know, it is, you know, I'm a big believer in that kind of, you know, everything happens for a reason. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about kind of, you, you mentioned there that only when when it came to an end, did you feel you actually could step back and, and look back on the 15 years you had. What would you say your proudest achievement was with, with you know, first rally and then Vitus over, over that period? Well, firstly, um, Rally UK for the you know for the for the MDs at Rally at the time and the marketing guys and the um, marketing directors um, actually believing and seeing in in my ability and and then giving me the option uh, the the opportunity shall I say to you know to lead Team Rally. Um, I, again, when I took the job on, I pre probably didn't realise the significance of that because I was one of the first. Uh, Conti woman sports directors at the time and that's sort of how things continued through the rest of my career um, but we've had many great results I mean there's too many to even there's too many to even think of but um, I, I probably regret not focusing 100% on winning the tour series overall I think we I as a, as a sports manager team owner we 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 probably focused a lot more on winning on the night and focusing yeah. on the sprints on the sprints, you know, just to give that um, visibility and uh, uh, publicity, you know, to the sponsors. Uh, and that, and basically that was a sponsor's request. Um, but um, yeah, no, we've we've had some fun. We've had I, I got my first uh, UCI win. We actually had a first and second in Mexico. You know, we went to some bizarre yeah. places and did extremely well, you know, Canada, Quebec, uh, America, and we were hugely successful. Um, and that was, Andrew, before we had the internet, really. You know, yeah. nowadays somebody does a result and, you know, you know about it straight away. But back in 2011, 2012, when we were winning stages in Mexico and Canada and wherever, um, nobody knew, you know. Yeah. Um, and I guess I was going to mention that, you know, some of the races you did, it, it was a really international program. I, I guess, you know, a lot of, you know, there's obviously a lot of talk at the minute around kind of Brexit and what that means for the ability of British riders, and British teams to go abroad. But I mean, I guess from you're a bit of a trailblazer on, on that score as well. I mean, you, you know, taking a county level team to to some, you know, big races in big countries and, and things like that. You know, what what kind of, what what kind of pressure does that put on you know was it the sponsor's choice to go out to some of these races was it you know the fact that the sponsors were, were willing to stump up to to get you out to these races or was it just that kind yeah. of you know part of that brand development of the team uh, a little bit of both to be fair um it was rallies it was rally's sort of brief that we um we raced wherever there was a rally enterprise if you like so there was a you know rally canada rally mexico rally america rally south africa uh and our agreement was if we didn't race in that country then we had to hold uh or or sort of contract a, a rider from that particular yeah. country and that's why we had australians americans can canadians and french and and so on you know um 
it, it, it sort of you don't think about it at the time, but you you know you realise just how big the program was. You know, I can remember twenty, thirty thousand pounds to have excess baggage to go to Mexico with uh 16 bikes you know because we took everything you know nutrition and uh, and the whole bang shoe and and sometimes you don't realize what you know how lucky we were in those days and how super the race program was that we were that we were able to do but I, i've always sort of i mean i think i think it was rafa at the time were the first kind of conti team to bring uh australians into into the uk domestic yeah. scene and I sort of like to follow suit, but we continued that. And I and I believe bringing those riders in, you know, like Bernie Salzberger and uh, Morgan Knieski and M Matthew Bullo and uh, Seb Mora, uh, Albert Torres, Enrique Sanz, these guys brought a different kind of element to to the domestic scene. And it just made it a little bit different, you know, because they were exciting riders. Uh, but they, they also... So we're very valuable to the British riders, the younger riders that we had on the team, you know, in terms of knowledge and passing experiences down to, to those guys. Um, so I always enjoyed working with um, foreign riders, shall we say. Yeah. Um, and what do you make of the British scene now? I mean, obviously, you you only just stepped away from it. It looks like it's going to be another really disrupted scene. Um, you know, race program this year. We've seen quite a few races either cancelled or or postponed with with no real firm dates for that. What what yeah. do you think? I mean, I guess it's the million dollar question. You know, our the riders are doing British riders are doing brilliant in the European scene. What do you think needs to happen in in this country in Britain to to kind of revitalise what was once a, a, a really brilliant kind of domestic scene and a domestic entertainment package? Yeah, you know, it's a it's a massive triangle. You know, it it's got to come from the top. We need support from British Cycling, and I genuinely believe there's a group there now that are uh, motivated to help not only the teams but also the race organisers. And I think once we get all the boxes ticked, then you've got a foundation to work from. But you know, everybody's fighting. It's the same old races. It's the same old people. Uh, and old being the operative word, I think there's been some um, some mention of. Uh, I think Pete Harrison uh, mentioned that you know he's he's getting on. Sorry, Pete, um, he's getting on a bit, and we need some younger race organisers coming on board. Um, Colin Clues, you know, uh, super super guy, just motivated to put one of the most exciting races on in the UK, Mountain Classic, but. We need a new generation of race organisers coming in there, and across the other end of the triangle is is sponsorship and, and revenue, and uh, whether that's TV or or what. And then, of course, you've got the battle with the teams. But um, it was one of the things as well. One of the contributing factors was was not being able to deliver, and that was the thing that was frightening me the most. August September time last year is. If we were faced with COVID again, and as we are um, now, um, I think that was very frightening for me. I don't think I felt I was I was strong enough to motivate another group of riders to to go through a, a whole sort of swift and social media frenzy uh, for four or five months. You know, so that was a that was a key thing. So there's a big sort of triangle there. You know, that how we get that fixed. Um, I don't know, but 
I think we've got to look at development teams uh, and maybe opening up the the national bees uh, and, and making maybe a series out of that. Um, yeah. I'm sure Eric Rousel's got some good ideas there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm keen to work in the background uh, with a group at BC. I, I sit on the road commission, so I'm, I'm, I'm super keen to stay involved with, with that and, and work with the group to focus on under 23 development riders, both male and female, of course. Um, it, it's it's a massive task, um, and I don't think we're going to change it overnight. Yeah, definitely. Let's just end then by looking at, at kind of your your season ahead. And um, what what kind of race program will will you be undertaking? And I, I know you you mentioned obviously the opening weekend and uh, last time in being the the last race you did as a Conti and you did it again as a uh, a World Tour uh, DS. What, what's your kind of mm. personal program looking like over the next next couple of months and, and perhaps even into the summer? Yeah, I'm more, um, I would say I'm more focused on stage races. Um, so um, I think they've sort of eased me into uh, the, the world tour feel, if you like. So um, most often we'll have two, three DSs at, at, at stage races and they've given me a variety of positions. So I'll be doing DS3, DS2. I think the first time I'll do a DS1 position where I'm completely um, in control, if you like, will be at the, t the Tour of Britain. So um, it was all not that I needed development in the role, but it's 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 learning the World Tour way. You know, yeah. you, you've got to be able to read how the World Tour. Right? But actually, from what I've learned, um, the last three races is there's no different to going to a National B or a or, or a you know a national series race yeah. um the expectations are of course higher and, and so on but um as long as you've got a good strategy and and a plan before you actually present that strategy um and you you have that in mind then um you know it's the same it's the same job essentially yeah definitely uh, well i wish you all the all the best i wish you and the team all the best i think it's gonna be really interesting to see how that group of riders um, you know, takes on this year. You've got some, as we mentioned, some some brilliant riders. The, you know, Alex and uh, and Dan Martin were were probably two of the real highlights of uh, of last year. Seeing how emotional they got from uh, from those stage victories, and you know, I think I think everybody's kind of behind that really core British uh, that British core that you've got at Israel Startup Nation. So, um, wish you all the very best, and uh, and thank you very much for uh, for coming on the Third Degree Cycling Show. No, thank you for having me, Andrew. Come <laughs> on.